also say a toe to so. You know what? A toe to so. A fucking a toe to so. Hey, Dan. Yeah. You know how um, everyone's been saying, boy, it would be great if people could make money from making music. Yeah. 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 It'd be pretty fun, right? It'd be well, cool. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be nice. I, I feel like it, it would make people happy to be able to make money playing music. You know how no one's ever been able to make a living playing music until um, uh, one fateful day, Satoshi Nakamoto created an append-only database uh, that was cryptographically protected. Yeah, I mean that was that was really a watershed moment in people being able to support themselves with uh, uh, creating live, mu- creating music, creating albums and songs. I- I'm very excited uh, to let you know that uh, finally, an, a, a music streaming marketplace for artists Wait, and fans. This is going to yes. make me mad, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> i just realized is, I where mean, this is going this is gonna infuriate me <laughs> wait as soon as i said as soon as i related it to satoshi to, to nakamoto you weren't like yeah okay all right let's see where this is going maybe this is realistic yeah, exactly. exactly yeah it's because you don't get kept on your toes um that's right yeah yeah well look i mean here's the thing right I, this is this is so one of my favorite hobbies now. I think it was ever since I I went to the music festival that was covered in Binance advertising, and then uh, for a peek behind the <laughs> curtain, uh, dear listener, just kept sending Dan pictures of the Binance <laughs> stage. Um, J Electronica big- and Binance present. <laughs> uh, it was the J Electronica set was very funny. He did two and a half songs and forty five minutes of hijinks. Amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. He just kept he just kept throwing stuff off the stage into the crowd, like not even his own stuff, just any stuff that was on stage, mics, <laughs> equipment, whatever. <laughs> and then he just said to everyone in the audience, get up on stage. And then I think they got really mad at him. Um, but no, look, here's the thing. I'm trying to tell you how you, how you can finally, you know, finally. That you've just been sitting there noodling away, uh, uncompensated, yeah. um, you know, but because you didn't have... A, 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 sorry, this is what I was driving at, though, is there is this just seeing these things in the world still, still doing AMAs, still making videos. Uh, Noom, in this case, it's called N E U M for new music. Um, Noom? Noom. Yeah, Noom. Noom. Yeah, Noom. Noom. What is it with the. Yes. I, yeah. You remember the Microsoft Z, uh, Zune player, right? Zune. Oh, I'll that was do I ever. Zed. Z O O N, yeah. Noom, yeah, no, okay. uh, this is this is Noom. It's a music streaming marketplace for artists and fans, um, where you can uh, tap into your loyal fan base by fractionalizing and distributing mechanical IP rights as NFTs. Because again, if you remind me, the problem with mechanical IP rights is that uh, they uh, weren't in an append-only database. They're right? not fractionalized enough, Riley, and that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> um. And you know the, it's you can get the ultimate form of merch, which is a database entry, and it gives power to the community, or specifically power to get a database uh, to do a database entry. The great thing is, is that all of this is paid in Cardano, which is as good what as is, money. I'm sorry, what is Cardano? Oh, it's as good as money. Okay. Um, okay. So it's a type what, of it's a type of fiat currency. I'm assuming. 
Well, I'd say it's as good as varying amounts of money. <laughs> it's, it, it used to be as good as more money, and now it's as good as much less. Okay. Cardano. Cardano. That, that sounds like something Trump would say, like a friend Trump would have had. Like, yeah. like Louis Cardano, a real estate developer. Anyway. Yeah, uh, Louis yeah, Cardano, just, the paving king of New Jersey. <laughs> um. Look, uh, look. I I headed over onto the artist page on Noom, um, to see how it how it benefits you, and that's the funny thing, right? Is I feel like everyone has had this idea, um, and it just has never worked. About so they always say oh, we're building a music industry movement, but really, I think what you're doing is you're just looking for an exit opportunity for um for like all that Cardano that you own. <laughs> well, look, man, uh, this Cardano is not going to hold its value forever and we got to dump it somewhere. So, yeah. And, and what's very funny is that the the, the founder of Noom um, before this has just been like a choir director at various um, Tennessee uh, area uh, churches. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a righteous gemstones guy. Which at, no, at least makes this more charming. Uh, Noom. Actually, I know why I know the fra- the the word Noom. It's because I've been there, and it is it is a town in Bosnia that is on the uh, I believe it's seventeen kilometer wide strip of coast that they have. It's between, <laughs> it's, it's between two parts of Croatia. Um, it bisects Croatia, and it has uh, I will say the best burek in uh, in all of ex Yugoslavia. Um, so that, claim, that's your choice. That's my choice. As, Noom. As a, as a, as a modern take... musician, you can either you either you can take control of your career and um and earn money in Cardano, um <laughs> well earn Cardano in Cardano, or you can get some really good borac. Yes, yes, I'm gonna go with the borac. Um, I mm-hmm. I feel like the Cardano is maybe unstable. Well, I feel like you know if the borac probably loses its value more quickly. Well, okay, the here's the thing. The thing with Borek is you kind of got to eat it while it's hot. Like, yeah. like, like it, it, it's going to come in a greasy paper bag. You're going to want to eat it when it's just cooled down enough that the, that the sirenia, that the cheese doesn't burn your mouth or the meso, the delicious meat that they put in some of them. But you don't want to leave it for too long because what happens is the phyllo pastry, the Borek pastry starts getting uh, hard and um, gluey. This is a small window, you know? And that's the thing. If you buy Cardano and you don't sell it immediately, then the <laughs> the value of it has a way of being less, it's apparently. <laughs> um, this is not investment advice. Um, anyway, hello, everyone. It's Bottleman. It's Dan and Riley. We are well, back once hello. again. Uh, I had COVID and now no longer have COVID. Turns out I got COVID from going to Primavera, the world's most basic festival. Amazing. Um, how do you I, I think? think I know who the do moment. You, how do you think you got it? Yeah, I want to know the oh, moment that you I got have a theory. it. Okay. Um, I think it was at the J Electronica show because a uh, one of hundreds of all white Europeans in their early thirties, uh, what I assume to be a, a marketing manager from Northern Italy, uh, turned to me and with the rest of the crowd said, "Real hip hop, real um, hip hop." <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think that I, that's when my soul got COVID, if not the rest of my lungs. Yeah, um, or maybe, you know, or, or who knows? 
It would have been better if you were at like, uh, you know, the compact tent because you just have the marketing manager would be from Bavaria. And instead of uh, using all those rolling uh, rolling R's spraying the COVID <laughs> molecules at you, he would just be quietly muttering der funky beats under his breath. <laughs> um, no, uh, uh, this is look, this is why I think that this is this proves my argument that in terms of Barcelona festivals, it's better to go to Sonar. Because no one's opening their mouths. Everyone's That's right. nice and quiet. That's right. And you might see Susan Chiani uh, doing, uh, doing a suite of songs in quadraphonic sound, you know? Oh, and, and speaking of a suite of songs, uh, I think we, the, the song, as one of the two song mechanics, uh, I've decided that um, I, have a new, I have a new thing that we can tool in our toolbox. Okay, okay. Um, I was listening to a tune today at the gym, and um, I... I and they, they, one of the, I've discovered the only acceptable vocal uh, for a song <laughs> to have. Um, and it is from a, some kind of a pseudo documentary speculating that there might be life inside black holes. You can have oh, disjointed, yes. you can choose disjointed sentences from that documentary and then distort them. And I love there's it. your acceptable vocal. Perfect. Perfect. You know that so. being a song mechanic, you don't just graduate from song mechanic school and then uh, and then stop innovating. You know, you have to you have to keep pushing and honing your craft. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing just to you any any schmuck can go up to a song and say, "Look, you got to get the guitars out of there. <laughs> you got to make the drums four on the floor." That's hey, how we're whoa, whoa, start. whoa! You're let you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> Hey, hey, buddy, 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 buddy! That uh, that yeah. open hi hat strike should be on every second eighth note to give it a much more relentless feel. Exactly. Well, I know you. What are, they, what are these stringed instruments doing in here? Let's get those out of here right now. Look, okay, all right, Arcade Fire. I'm about to cut your staffing requirements by a factor of thirty. <laughs> all right. Look, 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 Raffi, I know you, that the kids like may say, not like it now. How do you like now? to say big on crew costs? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, look, we got to talk about Canada, right? Canada's still there. Um, it's still, it's still yeah. doing its thing. Um, and look, I, I, I've got a bunch of, of things prepared about the, 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 the convoy, um, lording it over the various uh, Bitcoin maximalists on the sort of Canadian right generally as they uh, relentlessly eat shit. But there's something I want to talk about first because I don't want to save it to the end and then realize we only have five minutes to talk about it, which is um, uh, that it seems as though acknowledging uh, that uh, several rounds of NATO expansion uh, happened throughout the 1990s and early 2000s that were promised not to happen is about to become hate speech? In Canada? Yes. Hate speech, baby. Hate yeah. speech. Um, now, um, I, I'm aware that that may sound uh, hyperbolic uh, coming from uh, you know, what, what, what specifically I have said. And I, I think that you know, chances are uh, when, when, the, um, when, when the, the sort of the, the new um, uh, communications laws are decided upon, I, I, it is... I mean, call me hopeful. I, I doubt that they'll be that expansive. That would be some of the most restrictive speech laws in the world. But can you just give us a little pricey of why we're talking about this? Well, we're talking about this because um, a couple of weeks ago, there was a study that was released by the University of Calgary um, about 
disinformation, specifically Russian disinformation on Twitter. And um, of course, I was very interested to read about this. Uh, I watched a global news segment with um, the architect of the study, J.C. Boucher, uh, detailing how they had, um, in his words, analyzed 6.4, 6.8 million tweets and then had an AI That's sort of that class drill of- tweet about yep. reading posts. It is it is literally just that <laughs> drill tweet. So so they had analyzed this uh, tranche of tweets and then um, had an AI sort of filter through those tweets and um, create, you know, like uh, that. Uh, what is it? Riley, what is it called? The force data graph, the thing that looks like it's just basically like a big colorful cloud with names uh-huh. on it. Yeah. Like you know? uh yeah, yeah. They, they, they made a big colorful cloud with names on it. That's going to be the basis of some legislation. That, that's going to be the basis of some legislation. So the force data graph had um, in one corner sort of MSNBC, like Michael like, McFall. Uh, Michael McFall the, is literally on there as well, a note in the good team. He's a he's a note in the truth cloud. Fucking McFall. So and and also I will say the <laughs> the Kiev Independent as mm-hmm. well, which mm-hmm. is. Which is pretty fucking funny. What's your so, favorite truth so anyway, the Kiev Independent has told? Mine was about the Snake Island defenders. Yeah, mine was about the ghost of Kiev. Uh, mine was about how they were uh, uh, like not taking any casualties for the first two months of the war. Um, but anyway, uh, so anyway, this Boucher guy goes on to say on television, on national television, says the interviewer asks him, do we know if people are being paid? Like, are there paid actors? And Boucher says, absolutely. Like, we know that people are being paid. Does he mention who? I mean, that's a huge accusation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, does he mention who's being paid? No, of course not. And when someone like Dimitri Las- uh, Lascaris um, sort of challenges him publicly on Twitter about this, says, hey, like, let's see the fucking list. Uh, Boucher says, well, actually, you're on the list, too. Yeah, yeah, and you've been on the list since since January. <laughs> um, so it's so it you know this kind of snowballs, and anyone who's kind of challenging Boucher is it's, he's basically like one of his quotes before he stopped tweeting. He hasn't tweeted for since this happened. His his uh, he blocked a bunch of people, and his account has just been quiet. But one of the things he did say was that um, when he was talking with, I believe it was Liscaris, uh, he said, "Well, you need to tweet better and retweet better." Yeah, we all. In fact, you know, I think we could all take a lesson from J.C. Boucher and tweet better for for the cause. You know, yeah, like, like look, exactly. He he's part of an um an elite NATO tweeting force. I assume. What is this? Just yeah, like is, is so, this, it's like when, when correct the record folded. Uh, did like you know they they moved up to Canada and then what like their extremely lame version of um fucking uh, uh Samuel L. Jackson at the end of the Avengers movies just is like you're going back into government work. What the fuck? That's so fucking yeah. stupid. It just and it's, it's also so it's just, stupid. Just living in the spectacle and treating again this yes. this whole thing as spectacle, not an event that's happening in history. First of all, an event that has yes. its roots in history. No, no, it's just spectacle. And if you have to, you have to relate to the spectacle in the way that a good person relates to the spectacle. Otherwise, that's disinformation. Exactly. Um, so the way he classified the disinformation like you know first of all i i gotta say there's no methodology behind what tweets they extracted so there's or at like least or sorry at least no, at, no shared methodology 
No shared methodology. So that so yeah, I read the white paper a couple of times, which is just basically this weird screed and then a list of bad tweeters, right? Mm-hmm. The list of bad tweeters includes obviously people like Aaron Mate, um, Ben Norton, but also in the top ten list of bad tweeters, it includes accounts like uh Pumpkin Nick ninety seven. Oh god, uh, who they got has a hundred and a hundred and ninety six followers or another account that has a thousand followers. These are in the top ten of like radioactive disinformation spreading accounts. Mm. These are these are accounts with no interaction at all, you know, but somehow they made the top ten in this force data graph like well, so I- anyway, there's that. But then there's also the fact that you might wonder who's paying for all this, right? Like, is this a labor of love? Is this uh, a, a personal passion of J.C. Boucher at the University of Calgary? So it's very interesting to me that J.C. Boucher is also uh, responsible for um, overseeing $2.4 million in funding from the National uh, Department of National Defense. Um, did he use this money? Did he use this money for the study? I mean, maybe, maybe not. But. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, uh, you know, it's 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 certainly um, I suppose that it, whether or not the, the who got paid for what at this study certainly is, um, let's say, aligned with very aligned with what they with what their wish list might be. If I was the Canadian Department of National Defense to the point where I want to highlight the the narrative frames, right, that he, that yes. he, that he uses and say, look, if you're a Russian disinformation bot. Then you're going to be looking at um, at five key themes. So one is that NATO expansionism justified the invasion, and I think the use of the word justified is very important there. And then saying that, like, absolutely, and then saying, and then sort of saying yes, and now we're going to, you know, um, sort of, and uh, which is just saying, yeah, well, um, do I, would I say that it justified the invasion? Well, I'm not interested in talking about justified. Um, I don't think probably not, but it certainly does fucking explain it. <laughs> It does. You know? It does. And it also stands to reason that, you know, they have a graph with an X, Y axis of uh, tweets that fall under their disinformation categories and frequency and volume of said tweets. It's just like, yes, people are going to be talking about NATO after Russia invaded Ukraine. That's going to happen. Like well, number two, NATO is using Ukraine as a proxy against Russia. Well, I guess you got to put Joe Biden on your list of bad tweeters. You know, yes. uh, <laughs> and uh, Victoria Newland and. And fucking Michael McFall, for that matter. Um, yeah, well, sorry, you're going to have to... You know, McFall has to occur twice. We need dark McFall on the bottom <laughs> yeah. of that graph. Um, I'm going to skip... Oh, man, we've, we've, we've already seen dark McFall. Dark McFall is uh, his, like, 3.30 a.m. response to someone challenging him on uh, some of his more unhinged rhetoric and him DMing them and saying, uh, I live in a mansion and I have millions of adoring fans. That's dark McFall. Yeah. That's like... <laughs> That's like that's like deep in the, uh, the early times, McFall. I'd love to go to like a like a like a Radio Warner meetup, but set up by Michael McFall and for his fans. That'd be great. Um, what else do we have? We have we have three more. Um, Some good ones. We so I'm going to do the fourth one next because the third and fifth are pretty uh, pretty similar to one another. Fourth, okay. Ukraine is fascist, justifying invasion. Um, okay. Yeah, like narratives include the West propping up fascists in Ukraine. Is Ukraine fascist? No more than any other state, but does Ukraine have a lot of fasc- fascists in it? It fucking seemed to. 
Like, do you want to sure does? You want to put the Guardian on your list of bad tweeters? Rich wrote an article in 2018, like a long read about the problem of the far right in Ukraine. Do they go on the list yeah, of you bad tweeters? Do you want to put fucking Bellingcat and the Atlantic Council, who both uh, between 2014 and and uh, 2022 have published articles about the, the, their concerns about the rise of the far right in Ukraine? Mm. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Do I do do I personally, Riley, think that that again justifies the invasion? No, but I think it's fucking happening. Um, and then what do we have? The the third and fifth one are the are the absolute cream <laughs> of the crop. Which is the third yeah. is a mistrust in institutions and media. Now, why would you have oh, that? Yeah, why? Why would that be? Why would that possibly be happening? Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm thinking of going on a vacation to northern Iraq uh, next summer. Do you want to come with me? <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. 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 Maybe. Um. Or or maybe like um. I don't know. I'll go see. Um. I could call and maybe see how uh, my friends in Yemen are doing. Um. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or uh, potentially, hey. Um, why don't we go and um, you know walk around some of the old growth forests in uh, in, in in Victoria? You know, I'm sure there are a lot of very nice people out there who are just trying to protect the trees. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. I, I would never, you know, mistrust uh, institutions or uh, media uh, at all. It, to 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 say that those things indicate that's to me was the biggest one, right? Like all the the ones yeah. about sort of like NATO or or the far right, like those are sort of points of fact that you can argue right or you can Mm -hmm. say you can you can sort of say well you know nato did expand in these things and i have a theory that you know expansionism did the had the following effects like that's an academic point you could argue and he's saying if you're he's sort of inferring it seems which is that if you're on the other side of that academic argument you're boosting a russian talking point which is like stupid but is like that's sort of comprehensible um Whereas yeah. the, the third and the fifth, mistrust in institutions and media and personal mistrust of Justin Trudeau is like, no, it, that is a, a political point where a purely personal point. mistrust of Justin Trudeau is really funny to me. It's just like mm-hmm. you are. I mean, what are you saying with this? You're saying that any criticism of uh, the party in power is, in fact, Russian disinformation. What, what he's saying specifically, that, that- what he's saying specifically uh, about both of these, right, is that um, the third narrative, he says, expresses a mistrust in institutions and elites. In elites. It suggests that mainstream media outlets and in, or institutions are mouthpieces for NATO and its goals. The institutions cannot be believed. They are largely funded by Western governments. Addition, and again, again, that's debate. I don't think that's why they can't be believed. I think that they can't be believed because if they, they weren't friendly to these aims, they wouldn't get the job. It's not as directly as a, I'm giving you money, say this. But the, the, the th- final yeah. sentence, what really gets me. Additionally, it is suggested that the media cannot be trusted as it has lied to justify conflicts like the Iraq war. Yes, that's, that's true. But and, and <laughs> it's just the feeling that, well, I can just say that if you mistrust the media for this reason that they did this thing, that's an example of Russian disinformation without ever saying that's the thing. These people who talk about disinformation, they never say why you should trust the fucking CBC. Or, exactly. um, or the Washington Post or whatever. They never make the positive case. They, they never exactly. directly got- address. They say, oh, yes, well, they lied. And so that's why people don't trust them. As opposed to saying they lied, but- people don't trust them. Here's why you should. That case is never made. It's kind of reminding me of I recently got into an argument with, with someone online about David Frum. Like, uh, just that 
you know, this this person accused me of um, not hearing David Frum out, of doing an ad hominem on David Frum. Mm-hmm. And, and my point to him was like, I am doing an ad hominem on David Frum because David Frum has been doing David Frum shit for 35 years. Mm-hmm. And I don't... And I don't need to take anything he says at face value. I have no, you know, it's just like, I know what he thinks. It doesn't matter if he's tweeting about uh, how Trump is bad in 2022, mind you, you know, uh, I know what David Frum is and I don't need to listen to him. Yeah. And I can do ad hominem attacks on him. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's fun and it's free. Um, yes. The, uh, feels it, good, man. <laughs> is it the, the fifth narrative, the one about Trudeau specifically, it's not just mistrusting Trudeau in general. He says, um, this example is pervasive enough to form a distinct narrative. It characterizes Trudeau and the liberals as lying about the conflict to further their own political goals. And I mean, there, I suppose you could, you could have a kind of, you know, very simplistic way of interpreting this, or you could have mm-hmm. a, or you could have the, the way of interpreting it, which is just, that uh, the liberals don't really believe, the Liberal Party, the NDP or the Tories for that matter, don't really robustly yeah. believe in democracy. They don't believe that, 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 that Canadians could be trusted to choose the responsible thing and go to war. Um, mm-hmm. Right? And, um, and, 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 so that we are, and so we are essentially going to get a, a, re, a really intense thumb on the scale um, when it comes to our uh, decision-making, what kind of information is publicly shared, and so on and so on. And what this comes down to, right, is that the specific way it gets explained in the paper is, um, is that, for example, mistrust of institutions and, and elites or mistrust of Trudeau specifically or the narrative of um, Ukraine being, um, having, having fascists in it or that NATO or about like NATO expansion or NATO using Ukraine as a proxy, et cetera, et cetera. Most of the ways uh-huh. that these positions are specifically stated in the paper is a very kind of strong and conspiratorial view, i.e., like you would need to believe that, like, I don't know, Justin Trudeau is secretly paying. What he's saying is that it's that Justin Trudeau is like secretly paying CBC or whatever. Like, that's the belief that they're rooting mm-hmm. out. But the problem is, right, is that as this paper passes from um, sort of the theoretical into the practical, uh, as it sort of say informs a, as it is, taking to inform a new hate speech law to include disinformation, for example, at some point, these very fine distinctions between, say, um, criticizing Justin Trudeau as being, as being dishonest about the conflict because he um, you know, has a secret plan to control the world by creating a war in Ukraine or not trusting Tr- Justin Trudeau to be honest about the conflict because he's a Western leader and that's what they do. Uh, he's a NATO leader, and that's what they do. Canada has been in- enthusiastically yeah. getting on board with conflicts forever, so it can be taken seriously, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? The line between those two things, uh, one of which I believe is reasonable to believe, and one of which I believe is not reasonable to believe, um, is going to become very, very blurred. Uh, so, where has this paper then cropped up uh, in um, sort of the hallowed halls of government in Ottawa? Yeah, well, it's cropped up in a expert, uh, the findings of an expert panel, which is uh, w- uh, which is a panel on. Uh, they're essentially debating whether uh, disinformation should be should be classified as hate speech. But the but the panel itself seems to be all over the place. I mean, it's everything from deep fakes to advertisement that uh, portrays an unrealistic body image. But at the at the core of it is citing this study by the University of Calgary, um, 
and and the way that you know the National Observer reported on this, and the way that they distill the Calgary study is very funny. Um, they mention it in the middle of the article, and they say. Uh, an analysis by academics of over 6 million tweets and retweets and their origins found that Canada is being targeted by Russia to influence public opinion here. And I'm, I'm going to say, I do not really see where the study shows that, but okay. Um, the the <laughs> yeah, study well, it, by it the University of Calgary. Um, uh, 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 Hardbop34. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Hardbop34 is tweeting from Coquitlam. Um yeah. Zero likes, zero retweets, one comment. You know, again, like, like it's 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 almost the same <laughs> thing as with the with the 2016 election thing. Did they did they have a go at doing it? I don't know. Probably. Oh, there's probably some accounts that are, you know. But I I mean, in his uh, global news interview, Boucher is saying that he's he used the word sock puppets. He is implying that the study has uncovered people who are being paid by you know by the Russian government to to. So distrust, but then again, you got to go back to their list of top ten bad tweeters and think about why. Why is Hardbop twenty four on there? Yeah. You know, if this is such a rigorous and important study of uh, the uh, erosion of our democracy from nefarious outside forces, what the fuck is Hardbop twenty four doing in the top ten next to Aaron Mate? Yeah, you know, it's, well, I I think even I think regardless, right? Like it's. It, it it shows it betrays a fundamental it betrays a fundamental belief which is we are so self evidently good and just that um you must be you must be working for evil having either either you know taken your your bribe to you know move over to the other side or just be an evil person yourself to for example uh-huh. be interested in anything other than the kind of children's story. Uh, good versus evil, David versus Goliath narrative of how we got to where we are, and you and to have any sort of I'd say interest in the history of how we got to where we are, um, yes, is uh, 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 is must therefore be coming from outside. It must be evil and other and wrong and weird. Um, and, and oh, I was going to say, you know, as this was un- unraveling online, and and this person was trying to defend their study. Uh, there were a handful of people who basically said, you know, I'm against the invasion of Ukraine, but I also think all of these things are real, you know, and should be talked about. Like, there is a far right problem in Ukraine. Uh, NATO is kind of acting as like a this is turning into a proxy war. Uh our government is not being straight with us about what is happening. <laughs> like, where do you classify those people? You know, they're. I wouldn't necessarily say they're anti-Ukrainian or even anti-Russian. They're just taking a sort of principled look at what's happening. <laughs> they're relaying facts. And Boucher didn't really have an answer for that. I also thought about I also thought about somebody like uh, Ivan Kashinovsky, who frequently appears on CBC television, you know, now, which is good, who is kind of the preeminent scholar on Maidan, who is a professor at the University of Ottawa. And... You know, he has a very personal and principled stance about about this war. He has absolutely, you know, come out over and over again against uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But he is an academic and he is rigorously critical of um, everything that's happened since. Well, you know what? And, and off and, to jail. And by the metrics. Yeah. By the metrics of this, he is 
as far as you can possibly get from the nourishing light of the uh, McFall truth zone or whatever. And I mean, like when you read the descriptions of the narrative frames that he's talking about, you can kind of you can kind of see that someone like this or someone also like myself, who I think sort of falls into that camp of you know, against that it's hap- like against that it's happening, but interested enough in the context to realize that more howitzers isn't the answer. Um, and uh, 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 but you, you take that. And yeah, I think we would fall on the just on the right side of uh, Boucher's <laughs> sort of, of, of Boucher's uh, um, uh, uh, categories because all of his categories have also and you're stupid built into them. Like you also have oh, to absolutely. believe something manifestly wrong uh, for in all the categories that he writes or, or manifestly, you have to believe something's either manifestly wrong or that it's very difficult to know for sure. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and it's what I, I guess what worries me is that is that there's the opportunity for, for a study like this as it passes through the sort of expert committee process as it is uh, becomes uh, amendments uh, to, um, to the various sort of like, like online communications bills uh, that it will, um, it will inadvert... I'll give you an example. There was a day in Britain, not a day, maybe about a week, where coffee was technically illegal because mm-hmm. um, Britain is so <laughs> insanely um, devoted to prosecuting the war on drugs that they were like, all right, look, we can't keep criminalizing molecules and then people just change the molecule a bit and it becomes a research chemical and it's legal till we criminalize it. We're going to criminalize all substances with a psychoactive effect. And then that Mm -hmm. bill got through and it was fixed, but then it got through. And so (laughs) if you you say like, ah, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to fucking... we're gonna we're going to include disinformation as hate speech. We have this helpful study that says that it's a you know hate speech is a national security issue because there are some people who are saying that uh, because some people have said all Ukrainians are Nazis, which again manifestly untrue, unfair, all this stuff. But the way that that could get enforced is like um, is 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 very uh, let's say down to the judgment of whoever is reporting reporting it, whoever's deciding whether to make a charge or what have you. And just dis- and what you really have is you have essentially brought in a uh, starship troopers law where it's illegal to um, think anything other than that the war is going great and Clendathu will be ours uh, by next week. Yeah, frankly, the idea of a bug that thinks makes me sick, Riley. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, things that think, shall we move on a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Because. Let's do it. Uh, I want to uh, look at a few political tendencies uh, that have eaten shit in the last <laughs> um, in the last several weeks after the crypto crash. Yes, um, because if you remember, like when we talked to um, to to live about uh, Pierre Polyev's channel, you know, yeah. Bitcoin. It was, it was this was about a month ago. Bitcoin was still expensive. It was you know well off of its sort of multi year highs, but it's still like based on the uh, you know. Expen- if your if your judgment of how well is the Bitcoin project doing measured in how expensive is Bitcoin, then Bitcoin was still doing pretty well, much much better than it's currently doing. Now um, it has dipped below, uh, gone below twenty thousand, which a lot of uh, people online assume is um, the level that will define a number of margin calls. Meaning, okay, and if you had a loan that you collateralized with Bitcoin, um, and then the Bitcoin goes below a certain value, you have to post more collateral. Right. 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 So especially if you bought Bitcoin and then you use that 
you and you use the Bitcoin you bought to secure a loan to buy more Bitcoin, you can see how that can trigger what some economists call a big fucking catastrophe uh, <laughs> if the price ever stops going up. Yeah. Um, because, you know, because of this. So it's gone below 20,000, which many believe is a, uh, a lot of margin loans are set there. Um, MicroStrategy has revealed that its own margin level is only at 3,000. So uh, that company will go completely fucking bankrupt if... Um, uh, if uh, or not, maybe not completely bankrupt, but its main value proposition will be gone if Bitcoin goes below three thousand dollars. Uh oh. Um, because <laughs> yeah, whoopsie daisy. Anyway, uh, I bring all of this up um, to oh God. It's so funny. I bring all of this up just to note that yeah. Um, remember when Pierre Polyev said that uh, he wants to replace everything in Canada with Bitcoin? Yeah, I remember him uh, standing in front of the giant loony, the giant nickel. Yeah, he stood in front of the giant nickel and said, "Bitcoin, uh, you can't, you can trust it because um, Bitcoin is not going to uh, go down in value uh, because more gets printed." Apparently, there was a mm. second part to that sentence, which is, "It will go down in value because it's worthless. <laughs> um, it will go down in value for a different reason." And I mean, like you can, and it's not, but it wasn't just Polyev that sort of leapt on to the crypto bandwagon in terms of like. Because the, the thing about, about crypto, and apologies to if you listen to TF and hear, heard me talk about this before, but I think it's the main thing to talk about when you're talking about why Bitcoin optimism was so pervasive and managed to get into so many bits of government is because if your politics is adduced to the fact that politics can do nothing for you except punish you, right? If you've sort yeah. of made that one of your core beliefs is that if anything the state does other than punish people is an inherently bad thing, um, and uh, you need you still need a better future you can promise people. And I think the idea that that better future was going to come through, okay, whether or not you believe it is immaterial, right? Like this is it, it's it's that in this case politically, Bitcoin was the vehicle for a story about improving your life, um, but mm -hmm. without using politics and without resorting to the old the again now. Um, uh, discredited, uh, so to speak, a uh, vision of improving your life with like access to cheap and in some cases tax deductible credit for like houses and consumer spending and whatever, whatever, whatever that you never really yeah. have to pay off. Right. Th that was like the last story. And then that manifestly failed and everyone saw it failed and it failed very loudly. And so with Bitcoin, it was an opportunity to say, okay, the problem was institutions in general. The pro and we can still deliver you a utopia, but conservatively, which means that no political effort other than just getting people onto this platform will really be needed. Um, yeah. And so this is why, like, if, if you want to really, really excite people as a conservative and you don't want to lean fully into the death drive, then, <laughs> um, you know, Bitcoin's a great stop for you before you decide to lean fully into the death drive. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's almost like the last stop on the way. Yeah, it's, it's the Hail Mary, right? Of, well, I don't know, maybe this magic computer will just sort of allow... Because the, the argument, right, is that the reason people aren't, ha don't have a good life is that they can't express their preferences properly because institutions, whether that's taxes or banks or whatever, um, are either are imposing their own agenda on your preference setting or are um, 
are, are are reducing your ability to f- satisfy preferences to satisfy their own preferences, right? I'm yes. the government. I'm going to reduce your ability to satisfy your own preferences to satisfy my preferences to uh, pay welfare, right? Even though no one would prefer those people to work, so why do they have money? Like that's the that's the line of thinking. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I, it, with and, and what the the promise initially of of Bitcoin was. What if you had a version of money that couldn't be exposed to that system, and so everybody's preferences uh, were all fulfilled perfectly because everyone had equal access to information, anything could be made the subject of a transaction, all of it could be done automatically without any one person as an intermediary. So this is kind of the last thing because what they've done is they've turned free market, this is turning free market up to 100 and institutions down to zero. There is nowhere else to go, nowhere else to go. And but what happens van- when free market uh, slips on a banana peel, you know, then then well, then what do you have? <laughs> I mean, the thing is, the, the the problem is, of course, is like all of that was just based on the lie that crypto is an alternative, like Bitcoin is a realistic alternative to like the Bank of Canada or the Fed or whatever. Right. Yeah. Because it wasn't it wasn't an alternative to them. It was a creature of them. It was a creature yes. of the Fed and the Bank of Canada by having interest rates be nothing forever and fueling all these speculative bubbles. What appeared to be a lot of people, $60,000 per Bitcoin worth of people, whatever, choosing to live their lives in a new sort of like libertarian commune, right, of crypto. Mm -hmm. But it it, it wasn't. It was just any other tech stock driven to dizzying highs by the fact that money was free. And then the moment money was no longer free, it fucking crashed. Well, we all know what happens to every, you know, to libertarian communes. We know what happens to the squat. There's one beautiful summer where uh, uh, stinky and and rats uh, plant the vegetable garden and you get some tomatoes and uh, somebody's painting, painting the walls on the inside. Someone builds a jam room. And then, you know, eight months later, uh, you've got a guy from Tennessee forging swords and making methamphetamines in the basement, and uh, no one's done the dishes in eight weeks. God, every time you talk about, like, anarchist houses, I feel it in my nerves. Everyone everyone has hepatitis for some reason, possibly oh. related to the fact that we allowed five people to camp in the backyard, and uh, they dug a latrine instead of, uh, you know, used the toilet. Oh, God. What? What? Oh, no, no! Yeah. Come on, Bakunin's, Bakunin's dream betrayed. <laughs> <laughs> the more you talk about that, the more I'm just going to need to go back to northern Spain and just do whatever I was doing in northern Spain for another week to make myself feel better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> come on, come yeah. on! Give me a foam that reminds you of spending your uh, uh, summers at the seaside with your uncle. I need it. I need it so bad. <laughs> So the commune has collapsed. The libertarian yeah. commune of Bitcoin is uh, is in its is in its uh, end phases. And the thing is, right? But then, like, I mean, I don't think this is necessarily going to hurt, you know, Pierre Polyev because mostly this is yeah. just this is mo- again this is just him in the spectacle, right? You know, it's and every all of his you know little followers are in the spectacle as well. They can move on to another. He moved on to Bitcoin very easily. He could move off of it very easily. And if ever anyone says. Hey, wait a minute. Didn't you think that everyone should, you know, trade in all of their houses for Bitcoin when it was at its most valuable and then you stop talking about it when it crashed? And then he'll just be like, uh, yeah, because I believe in freedom. And then they'll move on. Like, this isn't going to, I don't think it's going to damage him in any way. But it's very funny to see him be wrong um, and uh, to, to, to basically see, like, at least we can appreciate the uh, Schadenfreude 
of the fact that the yeah. lights came on and he was wearing no pants. Yes, um, exactly. I mean, I, his his little bow tie is just spinning and spinning, and he's got no pants on. Uh, but like, it's not just uh, Polyev, though, right? Who was a sort of big crypto maximalist um, in the sort of the in the kind of logic lord side of the conser- of the Canadian conservative movement. Um, that's sort of you know connected as closely that get the Ben Shapiro ones, you know. Yes, because uh, yeah. Jason Kenney wanted Alberta, if you recall. I the reason do. Calgary had all of those um, uh, innovation centers that Jason Kenney wanted Alberta to be the best place in the world uh, to um, to have to have a cryptocurrency uh, uh, project, right? Yeah. So um, while the price of Bitcoin is relatively stable, this is in the CBC. Alberta passed a bill that temporarily lets cryptocurrency um, providers be exempt from certain financial laws if they test their products in Alberta. (laughs) How do you test a decentralized product in Alberta? It's Mm. decentralized. Uh, You you make non-fungible tokens that are only good for exchanging uh, at the Calgary Stampede. Mm. Uh, Stampede bucks. They're going to do that next time. I will bet you any money. I'm I'm just a... Just as an aside to any listeners in Alberta, I will be playing the Calgary Stampede in the next few weeks. <laughs> so uh, get those get those NFTs uh, yeah. ready to um, Calgary Flames have some NFTs, but no, not the Calgary Stampede yet. It's so it's weird to see people pushing these projects still. Like I still see it in the. I mean, you were commenting on this at the top of the episode, but like the Binance stage at Primavera. Um, you know, like Ringo Starr's suite of NFTs that just came out like as the crash was really getting bad. And it's it's just hard to watch things that have obviously been planned for like months in advance. You know, I'm sure the Ringo thing took a year to put together. They've got a marketing strategy and then whoops, the entire rug gets pulled out. But like there is a zombie like element to this where the the fundamental thing has been devalued and kind of shown up for what it is but you still have to run these marketing campaigns right yeah it's, it's you know i mean the, the way i see it is it's like it's it's like trying to buy stock in bear stearns now you just yeah. you can't do it it's not possible <laughs> yeah. it's not available yeah. but like someone it's just advertising over. that it's the opportunity of the century um what they say the alberta government has consistently touted crypto enterprises as, as part of its diversification strategy away from the boom and bust of oil and gas <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah we're gonna as uh, our as our as our hedge against volatility we've decided um these database entries that weird nerds love that that's gonna be our volatility hedge it's digital gold baby hey uh is that a brick wall approaching us better uh better step on the gas real hard yeah we <laughs> better catch up and see what that is is that really a brick wall <laughs> Yeah, that look, that brick wall is not going to beat me in this race, and I assume that I'm about to beat it because I'm getting closer to it. <laughs> I'm gaining on the brick wall. Um, yeah. So the funny thing is, uh, uh, FTS FTX Exchange, a uh, Bahamian cryptocurrency giant, like one of the huge ones, um, okay. has launched a location in Calgary. Uh, after Great. which, again, this happened like like last week, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, Premier Jason Ken, uh, so and so and so Kenny was like, uh, yeah, um, I guess Alberta's open for business. 
which <laughs> argued that the day-to-day volatility of individual cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum are immaterial when it comes to the larger decentralized finance space, which is what you say when you but, put your life savings into it and don't want to accept that fucking Lyle Landley is already on his way to Tahiti <laughs> with your money. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I so mean... Go ahead. Because when you talk about the decentralized finance space, it's those technologies that allow users to lend, borrow, and trade without going through a bank. And like, look, there are lots of good reasons to criticize to criticize banks. I think like we probably have a billion great criticisms of banks. But if the criticism of not wanting to go through a bank is just like, I don't really want to. I'm going to have a different kind of money. Then what you have done is you have gone and lived in a fantasy world, and I'm. It's um, uh, unnerving to see so many, um, you know, uh, uh, let's say leaders of de- um, democracies being basically saying what you say when you've gotten too deep into fucking Amway and um, now realize that the only way out is through. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, this is uh, Doug Schweitzer, the sort of um, economy innovation minister in Alberta, said the following. This area is not going away. We know it's going to be here long term. The blockchain technologies on top of that have many long term applications. Uh, he did not clarify what any which, of those long term applications are. Which ones? Who who pilled all these people? That's what I want to know. Like, I, that's like the thing. The, I think where I, I think where that, and when did they get pilled? I, I it is my belief that everyone in that all of the 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 sort of. Uh, sort of huge crypto boosters in the, throughout the various parts of the conservative movement are self-pilled because they were looking for something like this. Yeah, they were there yeah. with their mouths open and just got pilled by the first piece of information about this that they saw. <laughs> if you do stand in front of it with your mouth open, eventually one of the pills is going to get in there and you're going to have to swallow it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like these, like, that's what I mean, right? It's, it's be- and also the other thing was like at its very root, Bitcoin was a kind of conservative, libertarian, anti-Fed gold bug project. Like that's yes. what it was. At its very root, it said the reason it's good is because it's deflationary because there's a limited number that can never be produced, which yep. is a, a, a kind of a kind of like weird Bircherist view of how the economy works. And so it was because it was so built in to like to the very ideological foundations of this thing. Like, of course, Jason Kenney's going to love it and Pierre Polyev is going to love it. The only reason that, like, that the, the rest of any, any like, conservative who didn't love cryptocurrency either um, is like a, a Jeb Bush type conservative that, you know, actually wants to, like, take the concept of running the country seriously or whatever, which, again, we, we know never wins anything. Um, yeah. You know, not that they're not. I'm not saying they would, they would be better. It's just they think of themselves as serious people, and that they and they're very bound to the rule book. But the rest of the conservative movement, of course, they would fucking love block, blockchain. It's right. It's 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 this. It's the same kind of like wacko, unanswerable kind of bullshit that they love to um that that they love to use anyway because it's much harder to de to debunk something fucking insane than it is to answer answer some kind of reasonable point of course they yeah. would of course like pierre polyev would say i think we should give every canadian you know two bitcoin and let god sort them out cancel the rest of the government except the cops and the army um this is because- running away from the thing that'll never happen but what is the obvious solution for i mean uh just to zoom out a bit uh the obvious solution for the 
terminal decline of the West, like the total just hollowing out and ultimate failure of liberal democracy. And the solution for a lot of the problems, in my opinion, that are happening right now is state control, you know, like... Well, it's is, acknowledging is that a lot of the problems a, that are happening, having a fucking planned economy, like we're gonna have to do it. It's uh, we got two choices: we got planned economy, or we have uh, bad backs. That's that's yeah. it. It seems to be very clear. Um, either the state steps in and starts planning for things, like for instance, China has a huge amount of food stores right now. In, uh, in anticipation of a massive global food crisis that is going to happen later this year. <laughs> like, mm. that's, w- that's what a planned economy can do for your country. And Bitcoin is sort of rejecting that to the maximalist position. Like, actually, well, it's, we, it's, need, we, need, we need total anarchy, nothing. <laughs> like, well, it's, the, it's rejecting it because it's, it's saying, well, the reason that we have the level of failure that we do is we have too much planning already. Yes, Yes, so which is hilarious we, because, like, I, I've, I've, it's kind of hard to see evidence of any type of planning in this country. You know, like I'm trying to think of the b- last biggest national project that we did that wasn't a fucking pipeline. Like, <laughs> but if you're paranoid, if you if yeah. your politics are fundamentally paranoid, which again, the that's the best way to concert, to um, uh, characterize modern conservative politics of the non Jeb Bush sort, right? Yeah. Is um yeah. is that you have because the, yeah, the base was always paranoid and now their leaders also reflect that paranoid style much more directly. Um again, they they do so more so now than they did before. I'm aware they did before, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you're a paranoid person, then it doesn't mm-hmm. matter that we didn't do a big national project. There are a bunch of secret national projects you don't know about that you have to escape with Bitcoin. Uh so sixty thousand dollars, please. I'll take your worthless fiat. Ugh, give that to me so I can get rid of it, I assume. <laughs> I'll give you this yes. valuable database entry. <laughs> um, oh God, good. Yeah, good but stuff. Uh, just uh, but also just like just saying, oh yeah, we we know that the, these are going to be here for the long term. I don't know. The last time there was a bunch of like unregulated interbank lending uh, and investment insurance in order to capitalize on what seemed like an infinite growth potential in Florida real estate. A lot of those institutions are no longer there. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Weird. Hmm. Uh, anyway, good luck uh, to Doug Schweitzer. Uh, good luck to Alberta. Good luck to Pierre Polyev on finding whatever your next thing is, unless you guys are just going to say, look, Bitcoin was the last one. It's Mad Max next. I'm calling it. It's a stampede coin. Um, it is redeemable for like Kraft Dinner ice cream or any of the fried treats at the stampede. Um, you can also buy Wolf Parade t-shirts with it this year. It's going to be great. Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, you can get one riff, one one stinky riff from Dan. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. We're going to have the money clock, but uh, basically with the amount of time left on stage, and then um, you're going to have to uh, send Bitcoin from your wallet, um, and that'll show up, and, and that'll just turn the speakers on for an allotted uh, period of time. That's, that's how we're or, doing this now. Or off. <laughs> We're off. The uh, choice is yours, yeah. really. You know, it's all about <laughs> freedom of choice, baby. Yeah, that's right. Um, and if everyone pays enough money, then uh, the big nickel will come out and join them for a tune. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We got the big nickel on the ones and twos. 
That's right. All right. So um, I think that's uh, probably all we have time for today here on The Old Bottleman, that show you know and tolerate. Um, that's right. And if you tolerate us enough and you're like, oh, I sure would love like, to tolerate these guys a little more, uh, don't forget there's a Patreon, seven Canadian dollars a month, gets you a second episode uh, every two weeks. I still don't know how to communicate it well. There's an episode a week. Every other episode is free. Every other episode That's is bonus. Right. You know what? It, you know the deal. There'll be an episode next it. week that if you want to listen to, you're going to have to get on the Patreon. Although I think it's going to be a pretty fun. So do look out for that. Anyway, we'll see you later. Bye, everyone. Bye.